An old book. A book about witchcraft. You're listening to the Whitewood Podcast, a show about mystery schools, the occult, and witchcraft. Would you like to have a look around? Why have you come to Whitewood? Well, because I'm interested in witchcraft. I'm your host, Nate. Come with us as we delve into the history, techniques, and backstories of these traditions and the people who practice them. Welcome to the Whitewood Podcast. My name is Nate Driscoll, and this week we're going to be talking about visualization, what the importance of visualization is, why you should be uh, learning how to visualize more, what place is it going to play within your magical practice, and uh, how can you get better at it so that you're not always stuck at whatever skill level you started at. How can we actually flex those muscles and uh, build up new skills instead of starting off with whatever natural talent we have. Um, So, to address the very beginning of it, what is the importance of visualization? Well, I would say that visualization is one of the fundamental ideas that is going to uh, become a cornerstone of your magical practice. Um, A lot of it is going to play into not just imagination, but how imagination can, in some ways, seem real to us. Obviously, not uh, so real that you can't, uh, like, for example, tell that uh, something is... Uh, let, let's, let's use an example. If you were to go to your kitchen and um, pretend that there's a tiger in the kitchen, and you were to imagine a tiger in that kitchen in between you and whatever type of food you're trying to get it it, it probably wouldn't trigger a true fear response however the the better you get at visualization and imagination the more parts of your brain would fire in similar ways now um, you're probably not going to get a full adrenaline dump in a Uh, get all pumped up and ready to fight the tiger that you're imagining in your kitchen. Um, But you you very well might be able to fire some of those neurons in your brain that are dealing with, like, the color orange or maybe some of the shape. Uh, Maybe you're a very audio person and you are able to uh, almost just hear it, Not, not quite hear it, but maybe you, you can get some of those parts of your brain firing. And, and the more and more that you're able to uh, visualize, the more real that experience can get for you. Um, one of the reasons why visualization is so incredibly potent within a magical system is that so much of it deals with symbols and communicating those symbols to the subconscious. And the subconscious doesn't always understand the difference between uh, what we're experiencing uh, versus what we're observing. So, for example, when you sit down and you watch television, or maybe you're a video game person, or maybe you're a music person, whatever, whatever type of media uh, you connect with really well and genuinely, um, I'm sure you've had the experience where after maybe an hour of partaking in that form of media, 
you find yourself consumed by it. You find yourself uh, having trouble separating out what's the the movie from the from the individual that's watching the movie in in ways where uh, like for example maybe you uh, something jumps on the screen and it startles you and you jump you, your real body in your real living room jumps um, or maybe you're watching something and you empathize with it really strongly maybe you see uh, a character go through some kind of a story maybe it's a sad story or maybe it's a happy story and you start to feel some of those emotions as you connect with that character I think this is one of the most profoundly interesting things about human beings is that we are able to have that experience and there's definitely a lot to be said about uh, the potential for creating some future episodes regarding those kind of things but for right now as we're talking to visualization the importance to understand is that uh, the more of our brain that is firing as if it is having an experience, the more our subconscious has that experience communicated to it. And as we'll find in our magical practice, the subconscious is a very, very powerful tool. It is something that uh, every time I think I understand the depth of how powerful of a tool it is, I find that I'm sorely lacking in uh, full understanding. So, um, so it, visualization can be very powerful because the subconscious doesn't communicate in words and concepts the way that we are capable of it. In a lot of ways, it communicates in symbols and ideas and feelings and um, very abstract. And so, if the subconscious is a powerful tool in our lives, whether that's in a mundane way of saying, you know, if, if, you, uh, if you get a little bit of communication to your subconscious, now you're, I don't know, maybe you're not as anxious anymore because you could tell your subconscious to freaking chill, right? Or maybe, um, maybe it's uh, more of an, in a more magical sense of being able to uh, manifest aspects of your reality based on what you were able to communicate to your subconscious. So, um, if those things are understood and, as goals, uh, then visualization starts to become very important because you're capable of imagining anything, right? Your imagination doesn't seem to have limits. As, as far as we understand human psychology, um, sure, some people are more or less gifted at holding an image in their mind that's definitely not something we're going to argue but it is a skill that you can develop and there doesn't seem to be limits on what types of things we can imagine uh, any color is available to us in fact we you, you could feasibly come up with new colors if you were um, so intellectually inclined um, in your imagination, you can slow down and speed up time. You can change the shape or size of things. You can uh, imagine things that never were. And so visualization becomes this all-powerful tool for generating symbols and then using those symbols to communicate to the subconscious is a very powerful, powerful thing. Um, many of these ideas are so potent that they get used 
in modern day psychology as we are treating somebody who you know might have um, some negative experiences some kind of traumatic experiences we can take them through imagining things and um, get them a little bit more accustomed to whatever the thing is that they're they're trying to overcome so uh, visualization in general can be a very very profound and potent tool for not just uh, a magical practice but also for general quality of life another reason why it might be extremely important is for the aspect of creativity if you are a creative type or you're working in an industry that's creative and uh, you have trouble visualizing some of these techniques might be useful for you to build up those skills so that uh, in a more professional and mundane sense you have a little bit more ability to do that so for example to kind of abstractly give an example uh, what if you have to design bicycles and you struggle to hold the image of an entire bicycle in your mind at one time because a bicycle has a lot of components that we really don't think about you know there's there's so much to it each screw each hole each gear each uh, chain and and uh, as as you need to design these things you need to be able to hold one image in your mind and understand well how could this other thing interact with it and of course there's a place for technology to assist in that process but uh, your your visualization skills will also come into play so I think that it's not just important for quality of health but that it can be a professional skill that you can develop as well but it's most definitely a f foundational cornerstone for the occult and I think that everyone should be practicing some form of visualization on a regular basis so uh, then I suppose we should uh, mention that not everyone is capable of visualization <laughs> there's this uh, there is a I don't know if it, if it's truly considered to be a disability or if it's just there are certain individuals who have this trait but psychology has identified a trait called uh, aphantasia so there's uh, fantasia relating to the imagination and visualization of thoughts and aphantasia is the opposite it's the lack of the imagination um, I personally first came across this online in some forums where uh, we were discussing a movie and someone recounted how how dumb it always was when they would go to a movie and and some character on the screen would you know, either have an internal dialogue or um, have uh, some kind of an image idea in their in their head. And it was always just such a silly thing to them. And after a couple of posts, as we, you know, kind of poked and prodded this idea that we had never been exposed to before, it, it came clear that this individual uh, wasn't capable of uh, imagination. <laughs> and... Uh, I didn't realize that was a thing. So after a couple of posts talking back and forth, the uh, a third party had stepped in and said, "Hey, you know, you might check if you have aphantasia because it's a it's a thing that you know has been identified." As far as I know, there's no current uh, treatment, but at the same time, um, it doesn't seem to be 
something that drastically affects the individual. Uh, it seems to be just a process where they're they're still capable of holding pretty normal lives. Uh, it's not like a I don't know, like a maybe a, a learning disability or a speech impediment or something where there's um, more obvious effects in their uh, daily life as they interact with others, as they uh, go about problem solving in their life. Uh, individuals with aphantasia tend to do pretty good, uh, tend to uh, to be pretty all right. I have also met individuals who uh, did not have aphantasia, but were not naturally talented in imagination and didn't notice it happening at first, didn't, didn't spend a lot of time um, developing the skill and, and had often said things to me uh, like, oh, well, I don't really see things in my mind's eye that way. And we kind of like poked and prodded and asked some some leading questions and eventually um, came to the conclusion, oh, that yeah, of course I have that. No, I, I, I just didn't understand that's what you meant by it and not to that uh, extreme that some of the others in the room are capable of visualizing. So um, just some fun, interesting ideas on the different levels of how well people are able to visualize. There's there's also uh, some extremes down the other route of individuals who uh, have psychological traits where they are either incapable of separating their imagination from their what they consider to be the reality um, or uh, it, visualizing on accident where you might have some kind of a stimuli, an extra visualization might happen uh, to their to their personal experience. Uh, we'll definitely dive a lot more into that as we talk more about cognition and uh, consciousness and uh, m- maybe even potentially a little bit of a conversation about psychedelics and uh, how some of those things uh, might happen to an individual under the influence of those. Um, so that gives you kind of an idea of a, a large spectrum of individuals and one of the important things to understand is that you could fall anywhere on that list other than having aphantasia uh, and still get better at it. It's a skill that you can build up over time. That's a really important uh, thing to recognize. So if you find yourself, as we're talking about this, struggling with any of these, that's okay. Put some energy into it. Put some time into it. And you will, uh, you know, potentially find yourself much better, depending on how much effort you put in. Um, so visualization, the word visual is in there. Is is visualization always visual? Is it always uh, seeing things? So, for example, if we try to hold the image of an apple within our mind, is, is it always visualizing the look of the apple, the red skin of the apple, or the inside of the apple, the stem or the shape. And I would say that it's not. I would say that uh, if you only play with visualization in that spectrum, that you'll uh, miss out on some great opportunities to add depth to your visualizations. Uh, for example, uh, if, you, if you were able to smell the apple, maybe you smelled the apple seven days ago and you can distinctly remember what that smells like now. That would be a great example of a visualization that's done 
in a different uh, in a different manner, or maybe the crunch of that apple as you take a bite. That would be uh, you know an, a more audio uh, visualization. So um, there's definitely options. Anything that can be experienced can be visualized. So you could even visualize maybe what it feels like to hold the apple or rub your finger on the skin of the apple or um, maybe how dense the materials if you try to squish it. So there could be feeling, there could be uh, smell, there can of, of course be sight. Really any of your senses can be, uh, can be visualized, uh, can be imagined. So it is pretty incredible that the human mind is capable of these kind of things. And it really opens the door for us to do a lot of cool stuff. One of the things that I think is profoundly interesting about visualization is how it can be utilized in meditation. Uh, so if you have meditated enough that you kind of get the gist of how to calm one's mind and to find that stillness and that peace, and that might actually be a little bit of a misnomer, the idea of calming the mind, uh, that might be a... Um, a false definition, but that that sense of meditation, that sense of peace, if you can get to that, um, there's a lot less background noise in your daily experience, and imagining certain things can be a little bit more profound. They can take up a little bit more of your mental experience, and thus they can be a little bit more potent. And so, like, for example, let's say you're um, let's say you're struggling with a coworker, and uh, they bother you. You're, everything about them just drives you insane. They are the opposite of everything you stand for, and uh, yeah, and and just them being around makes you uncomfortable, aggressive. And then you start acting wrong because you're on the defensive against just their very being, just them being there. Let's say you struggle with someone that much. One of the things that you can do is uh, you can take your mind and you can change your mind, change the way and cultivate the way that it operates. What you would do is you'd bring yourself down to a meditative state so that there's a lot, so it's easier to influence the mind in that state. Uh, and then you could visualize um, something that you intend to become a new habit. Minds, like everything else, are uh, likely to go through habitual processes. And so if I spend every waking day uh, upset, then uh, I'm more likely to find the things that make me upset. If I spend every waking moment happy, I'm more likely to go out and seek those things that make me happy. Similar, um, similar concept could be applied to your to your coworker, where if you immediately react with disdain towards them, you can train your brain to not react with as much disdain, or maybe not react with disdain at all. Maybe you've made a personal choice in yourself that you would like to uh, uh, react to all individuals with love. Uh, maybe that's 
something that you see as a as a potential goal. Now, of course, we can use these same tools to do the opposite. It's not necessarily. Uh, I I I don't think it would be a very. You probably would not enjoy filling yourself up with hate because <laughs> you would be tortured by everything existing. <laughs> but you could, you know, and that's one of the things about occult techniques is that they uh, they do offer the, you to be in the driver's seat for you to make the decision what you would like. But let's say for the sake of this, you uh, choose love, which I strongly suggest. Um you can bring yourself down to a meditative state and focus on that coworker being happy. You don't even have to fill in the blanks on why they're happy. Just picture them happy, true happy, not fake happy, not I'm showing off that I'm happy, but just a real honest glowing smile and just that open heartwarming uh, feeling that I'm sure we've all felt at some point, even if it was only brief. And you can try to project that image, visualize that for as long as possible, hold that image in your mind, and uh, really try to seek after that happiness and that love. And as you do this, and you do it over and over and over again for longer and longer and longer periods of time, eventually your brain learns the habit. And now that coworker walks in, and you're a little happy to see them. And it's kind of strange, but it's powerful. And it's a way that you can use visualization to communicate with your mind in order to rewire yourself to some effect that you have decided, which in this case would be loving your coworker. Now, you might find um, there are limitations on your own willingness to accept loving your coworker. So you might find that... Uh, you know, you can try and try and try, but you can only get a little bit better. And that's okay, too. Practice makes perfect. Um, some of the other things you might do is you might um, visualize, whilst in meditation, um, certain kinds of ideas. Like, um, what makes me feel gratitude is a really powerful one. You can ask yourself that question and watch what starts to visualize, just being prompted by the, the question. Give yourself permission to answer, you know, and say, what makes me feel gratitude? And uh, then visualize that feeling. Anything that can be experienced can be visualized, and that includes emotions. And so you can hold that feeling, that visual, you can visualize that feeling uh, in order to, again, train yourself train your mind into uh, having more of that and accepting and steering into that feeling when you feel it. I think that a lot of times uh, we are embarrassed when we feel too much happiness or too much positivity or too much, all the good stuff. You know, we get, we, uh, there's a weird social norm that it's not acceptable for some reason. What, like, uh, is it wrong to laugh? Is it wrong to be happy? Is it wrong to feel love? Is it wrong to smile at a stranger? Because if it is, I, I don't want to be right. You know, I'd, I'd much rather be filled with that. And uh, on some deep psychological level, I have blocks against that. And so I have to train myself on a regular basis to 
to give myself permission to feel gratitude, to feel happiness, to feel those kind of things. And so visualization within meditation can be very powerful. Now remember, uh, it doesn't mean that you always have to visualize the light. You can also explore and visualize some of the darker feelings. Maybe you are struggling with hatred. And uh, if you're in denial about that hatred, or let's let's use anger instead of hatred, because I think it's a better example. Um, everyone gets angry. Everyone. Anger is a human emotion. You're going to get angry sometimes. There are things that are going to frustrate you, which is just a little bit of angry. And there are things that are going to make you boil over, and you're going to lose it and just scream. And it's okay. That's part of being a human. Now, it's not okay to be ruled by those emotions. By no means am I saying just run around screaming at everyone. But it's okay to feel it. You shouldn't deny that you feel those things. You are a sum of all of your parts. And that includes anger, right? Um, so you can, instead of denying and hiding those things away and giving them power by the way that you hide them away and pretend like they aren't there. And I, I, I'm sure we've all met someone who completely denies that they ever feel angry. And then they start to become petty and they start to become um, uh, just one of those individuals who is very um, passive-aggressive as opposed to assertive with how they feel. Um, so you can explore some of those things uh, by meditating on anger. And just remember that um, it's okay to train yourself one direction, find that it's, you know, whatever you were learning was learned and then train yourself back the other direction so you can you can uh say hey i'm gonna i'm gonna meditate on anger and explore this feeling this darkness and uh you know what i learned what i was going to learn i had an experience with it i accept that that is a part of myself i now have a little bit more depth and understanding of it now i'm going to meditate and visualize uh the opposite i'm gonna you know calm serenity and uh you can bring yourself back the other direction and these processes can take you know weeks months sometimes even years depending on how in depth you want to go uh, but that's a, an example of how visualization can be utilized kind of as a tool to very realistically change the way you think and if you can steer your mind <laughs> i mean it's it's one thing to say that you can steer your body right every i think every well i suppose not everyone but most people are capable of steering their body. They're capable of saying, hey, there's a pen on the table, I'm going to pick it up. I move my hand over to the pen, I grasp my hand around the pen, I pick it up and I move it. And we all agree that having control of that thing gives you power over the world around you, right? Well, I'm telling you that using visualization, you can gain power over your mind as well. And you can steer your mind the same way that you steer your body. You're not at the whim of it. You are not your mind. Your mind is a component of you, but you are not your thoughts. And by grasping and controlling and using those visualization techniques, you can find yourself in control of how you think. And if you can control how, you, how the engine runs, you can better steer it where you want to go. So I'm definitely here to say that Visualization is a powerful and potent thing. We often use it only in childhood for uh, generally a couple of things. We imagine that we're the hero. We imagine 
that we're going through symbolic story, drama, often emotionally difficult, but things we overcome, uh, torments. Um, obviously, there's we imagine romance. All of these key things that make up our idealized world. You know, as a child, you're fighting off the zombies because I'm the hero. I'm the, uh, you know, but whatever the thing is on the playground, they uh, they definitely lead to very deep and interesting concepts. So, visualization, very important. There's also uh, how visualization can be utilized in ritual. Um, as we were talking about um, how meditation, that kind of leads a little bit into the concept of how it's used in, in uh, ritual. If you hold a symbol, whether that's an abstract symbol, like uh, an element, like the element of fire, for example, or the element of air, for example, if you hold a symbol in your mind for a long period of time, you can take on aspects of that symbol. If you work a narrative into that experience, you can start to have a ritual. If you work some blocking and things into it, maybe some stories into it, some quotes, some important things of powerful, emotional, and spiritual feeling, then you can start to incorporate that visualized energy into your your spiritual being. Uh, and it, it can be pretty potent. So for example, let's say uh, let's say we're we're gonna do a, I don't know, a banishing ritual. Let's say we used a lesser banishing ritual, the pentagram. We did a banishing ritual and we'll get into that as well. Um, the specifics on specific types of rituals and those kind of things. So uh, if, if you don't know a whole lot about it, that's okay. We will get there. Um, but let's say you, uh, you're doing lesser banishing ritual, the pentagram, and one of the very, very first steps is to uh, imagine a, a certain type of light. So if you bring that light into yourself, into the space, the, uh, the feeling, the visualized interpretation of that can influence you on a, an emotional level, on a spiritual level. Um, so you can hold those visualized symbols for this part and then allow yourself to, you know, go to the next part of the ritual and hold yourself at that. And as your mind transitions from one symbol to the next symbol to the next symbol through the blocking and words and the quotes that are the ritual, that make up the ritual, uh, your subconscious goes on kind of a symbolic journey. And that symbolic journey is very, very effective for influencing the uh, subconscious into um, well into a message in, into a goal so that's that's one of the ways that it visualization can become really potent and powerful within ritual is to uh, best hold that idea in mind so now we know why 
We know why to visualize. We know what we can do with visualization. Um, how do you practice? I would say I've never met a single person who the first day of trying to visualize was as good as the worst person after having practiced for a period of time. What I mean by that is I've never met somebody who was just naturally so good at it that even the worst visualizer couldn't learn to be better than that, um, which should be a very positive thing because it means that your ability to... Um, let, let's say you are excited about visualization based on what we've said so far. Wow, that I, I could benefit from that. That's a positive thing in my life. Let's say that that's the case. Um, the good news is all you have to do is put in the work because you can, in fact, do it. <laughs> that's awesome, right? Even the worst individuals. Uh, there have even been some uh, conversations about how to best assist individuals with aphantasia in getting similar results. And so even if you were one of the individuals who has that um, difference about them, you can still get something out of practicing this on a regular basis. Um, that's going to be the big one, practice. Practice makes perfect. So let's talk about what kinds of things you might practice and how you might go about it. So one of the first things I like to do when I'm teaching somebody how to visualize, is I like to teach them, uh, and a lot of people refer to this as like energy or energy work, those kind of things. Perfect. Great. You can refer to it that way. I want to refer to it as visualization. Um, the static hands is my, my first go-to. It seems to work really good. So you take your hands, you clap them together like that, and you rub them, and you keep rubbing, and you rub them, and you rub them, until your hands get really hot and warm, and you can feel that heat radiating out. And if you just go just a little bit longer, your hand stop. You can feel a tingle, a pulse, as the blood rushes back in, and the feeling rushes back in. There's a little bit of a, uh, a tingle in your hands. And I would just let that float away. So that's what it felt like physically when you did it. When you slapped your physical hands together and rubbed them and all that. Next, try to replicate just that feeling that you just had. Try to make your hands do it without moving your hands. Just visualize that feeling, that feeling of warmth, that feeling of static. Um, and try to just hold that feeling for as long as you can. And that's a pretty good starting point. I think that one of the reasons it's a really good starting point is because it's a very abstract idea. It... Uh, it doesn't have a shape. It just kind of has a tingly. But it is also something that you're, you you can produce for yourself very quickly, very easily, because you get a little bit of alone time. You can just slap your hands together, rub them really fast. You can produce the feeling for real initially. Let it float away. It only takes a couple of seconds. And then it, it just happened a couple of seconds ago. It's much easier to visualize something that you have experience with, especially if it's recently. Uh, another one might be... You can snap your fingers, right? Snap your fingers. Now visualize that exact sound. It's much easier to do if you just snapped your fingers. Now as you uh, 
as you learn how to use these kinds of experiences in order to practice your visualization, you'll find that eventually you just, you, that's not a very valuable tool anymore. You know how to visualize your hands being staticky and warm from rubbing them together. You know how to visualize that snapping sound. So now what? What do you do? Well, you, you make it more and more and more. That's kind of the goal, is we're going to uh, stretch how far the mind naturally wants to visualize. So, for example, maybe we uh, are going to continue to have that warm, tingly, energetic feeling, but instead we're going to try to create a shape with it so you can hold your hands together so the palms are facing each other and your hands are about six inches from each other and try to visualize a ball because balls are very easy shapes spheres are very simple easy shapes to visualize because uh i don't know something about the specifics of hard edges can be hard at first to visualize sphere doesn't have any so visualize a ball and visualize that feeling of tingly warmth into a ball and then maybe take that ball, change its color. So as you get used to 3D images, 3D ideas, start to play around with other things. Start to uh, push yourself into visualizing specific colors. Is it harder for you to visualize dull, muted, pastel colors? Or is it harder for you to visualize bright neon colors? Which one is uh, easier for you? Find your limits. For me, um, I think I have a little bit, just playing around with it right now, I have a little bit easier of a time with bright neon colors. So the muted colors are probably a better area of focus for me to continue to build up that skill. So that's, uh, that's one way you could make it more complicated, change the shape complexity of the shape could also be very important so uh, for example uh, I don't know if anyone here has ever seen these fractal um, a fractal is an image that repeats over it's a mathematical thing where the farther you zoom in you see the same patterns over and over and over again um, there are these uh, 3d printed objects and wood carved objects where people will take like a, a pyramid for example and they'll carve out an upside-down pyramid, and then they'll carve out a bunch of upside-down pyramids, and eventually you get a, a large shape where there's a giant pyramid made up of smaller pyramids, made up of smaller, smaller pyramids, made up of smaller, smaller, smaller pyramids. How far can you take a visualization like that? Do you have a limit? You know, can you, uh, can you only visualize the first pyramid? Is it hard to visualize three pyramids on the bottom making up the base of a fourth pyramid sitting on top of those points? Is that a difficult thing for you? If so, just try that. Hold that image in your mind for a while. Maybe try to take it a little bit farther. Uh, maybe you can do... Uh, maybe you can take only one of those pyramids and break that one down into other pyramids. Maybe uh, you can do all of them. Maybe you're exceptionally skilled at this and it's not a very complicated thing for you. Awesome. Um, one thing that I notice 
is that the more complex of a thing that I try to hold in my mind, the more I start to ignore certain details of it in order to build the next layer. So if I'm trying to do the, the pyramid made of pyramids thing or square made of squares or, you know, whatever the thing is, right? Cube made of cubes, doesn't matter. Um, the, 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 the more detail I try to get in, the more I find myself neglecting original details that I started with in order to build the new details. And that's kind of the point of one of these types of exercises is to not let yourself do that. To, to really struggle, give yourself, you know, some time set aside, struggling, trying to hold the whole thing in your mind, but also adding this new detail. And it's difficult. It'll take a lot of time and practice. And even when you feel like you're not making much progress, uh, you'll find, especially after sleep, that if you've put, you know, 20 minutes, an hour into something, uh, and then you go to sleep and you wake up, that the next day your brain is just a little bit more wired for that activity. And um, visualization is no different. It's definitely something that you'll find increases exponentially after a day of practice and a night of sleep. Uh, so some other things that I uh, think can become complicated is if you take uh, one sphere and maybe move it and visualize maybe like a light or heat rating off it so that you can really kind of sense where you're moving it. Maybe you're moving it in a circle around in your palm. And then you can split that ball into two balls and do the same thing. Try to hold both of them in your mind while you're doing it. So multiple uh, objects at a time could be another route that you go for trying to develop further and further and more complicated and more complicated visualizations. Another one would be to um, try a scene, a um, visualize some kind of a scene, like I'm standing on a beach. So it seems to be a pretty common one. I'm standing on the beach. I look down and I can visualize uh, the sand, the specific type of sand, the grip of the sand and how it feels on my feet and how warm it is because of the sun and now you can kind of visualize the sun and what does the skyline look like and and you can really just kind of play on adding new details to this scene now uh, remember that uh, there's not really a rule book for how to do this so maybe you uh, maybe you explore this scene in depth just to develop your imagination skills of exploration maybe you are doing something a little bit more specific like we were just talking about where you try to have one image in your mind and maybe you sit in your you know your landscape and you try to hold the whole landscape image in your mind maybe that's how you want to do it there's nothing wrong with any of that what i would say is that different techniques you're gonna uh, flex different muscles that are involved in your um, visualization so, for example, if you went to the gym and you were working out your body, it would be pretty crazy if you only worked out your biceps. You, you can't skip leg day, man. <laughs> but there's also other muscles in your arm, right? There's muscles in your chest, and there's muscles in your back, and there's, mus there's muscles all over. And it, as you work out each type of muscle, it helps you to move and be strong, right? Visualization is kind of similar. Yes, we're trying to 
move and be strong with visualization, right? But it's made up of different components. It's made up of colors. It's made up of shapes. It's made up of holding one image in fine detail. It's made up of exploring a vast landscape and letting those details kind of float in and out because you're exploring more, right? Making it more limitless. So there's a lot of different things that you can learn. And I would just say you're probably not doing it wrong as long as you're regularly practicing and actively getting something out of it, right? Don't focus so much on doing it exactly how Nate did it. Don't uh, don't go, hey, that Nate Driscoll guy, he said that it's got to be a sphere and rotate it around your hand. And he didn't specify whether it was clockwise or counterclockwise, but I'm doing it clockwise and no one can tell me differently. And then suddenly your buddy goes, hey, yeah, I've been... Uh, and visualizing squares and you're like you can't do that you, you can't visualize squares you're only allowed to visualize no it's okay visualize whatever you're going to visualize you'll get something out of the activity that is practicing visualization it will go a long way so that is kind of how you build up that skill um, another thing that can be extremely powerful and interesting as a way to kind of offer a playing field for the subconscious to kind of hop in, have a conversation, right? Uh, is to visualize a concept and explore a concept that is more abstract and really just play with it. So, for example, how abstract is the concept of... Actually, let's use gratitude again. Let's go back to gratitude. I am a strong proponent of... Uh, regularly visualizing gratitude it's a powerful thing it, it can change your life so uh what does gratitude mean to you what does it look like what does it sound like what color is gratitude right what what kinds of emotions other than just the actual gratitude itself are gratitude adjacent and stirred up in you when you just kind of hold on to that idea that, that abstract concept that is gratitude right is there a, a person in your life or maybe uh, a character that you've, you know, encountered in some book or movie or something, right, that, that makes you feel a sense of gratitude? And as soon as you start to get some kind of visualization from that question, dive into it the same way that you dove into the beach. So if you're sitting on the beach and you're playing with the heat and the sand and the sun and the skyline and then you think, oh, what would be around me and... Maybe you walk up the beach a little bit in your imagination. All of these kind of things do the exact same thing with an abstract concept like gratitude. What does it look like? What, what are some things that I'm grateful for? Can I put them all in a pile? Can I, you know, roll around in that pile and think about what all these things are and how bountiful my life is and how much I appreciate all of this stuff? Maybe it's not stuff. Maybe it's people. Are there some people that are there in that room with that stuff that makes you grat you know and you can you can really explore the idea uh, in a in a lot more depth than you think you can so I would say all of those kind of things very powerful and potent but they themselves are not the only point while those techniques are very um, beneficial to one's life the more visualization that you're able to use in other places is going to benefit you. Whether that's magically, 
now that I've, you know, taken off the training wheels, I'm really good at visualization. Do I find myself able to um, better visualize the symbols and ideas that are in the ritual? Right? What about visualizing it work? Can I now problem solve to a slightly more intricate degree because I'm capable of exploring things with visualization and imagination, capable of problem solving in those spaces and finding fine detail and um, and then of course you know how can I be in control of my life by regularly visualizing the things that I want and the things that I feel like I should be can I can I be a source of love can I be a source of happiness can I walk in to a job that all I ever think about is how much I hate it and still have a happy day while I explore, you know, maybe the potential to get out, find something better, or maybe the potential to appreciate what I have. It doesn't matter what the end goal is going to be. Can I, can I be happy regardless? You know, can I be happy in my life despite the fact that there are shitty things around me? I think that you can. And I think that visualization is a method to get all of those things. So I strongly encourage you, uh, if you so choose, if it be your will, to uh, regularly practice visualization, especially when you first start out in magic. But um, I suppose even if, you, uh, even if you've been practicing for a while, maybe readdress those, maybe go back to those things rebuild that foundation and see if you can get a little bit more out of it now that you've grown, learned. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Whitewood Podcast. This show is made possible by our Patreon members. You can find us on Twitter at Whitewood Show and on Facebook at Whitewood Podcast. For links to all our social media and information about our Patreon, visit us at whitewoodpodcast.com.